Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Hey Bub Outdoors. Hey Bub. That's very good. Can you give me a hey Bub? Sure. Hey Bub. <laughs> it's hot. It was a hot hey Bub. And uh, speaking of hot, it hasn't been hot here in Southern Illinois. We're in the middle of April. We had snow yesterday, Matt. What are you guys looking at like out there in PA? We didn't get any snow here where we are, but just north of us they did. And yeah, cold weather. It's like a, it was like a 25 degree temperature swing over a period of like three hours uh, yeah. yesterday during the day. We had hail. My poor dog was outside while I was on a conference call and came back, <laughs> went down to get her out. She was covered in maple tree flowers and had like hail in her fur. I felt terrible. Ooh. So yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. But yeah. I had, cool. uh, I had uh, one of our guests, TK, turkey killer, Clint Young, over in Southern Illinois here yesterday, and he, uh, he filled his out-of-state Illinois tag. It was really fun, but it was like 31 degrees when we got out. It had snowed the night before. There was some snow, a little bit of snow still left on the ground, but it didn't stop the turkeys. The turkeys were hammering yesterday morning, and uh, I think he, he killed his within 10 minutes of, of – uh, the beginning of legal shooting line. I think it was like 550 or something like that when he killed his bird. So didn't waste any time at all. Did not waste any time at all. Had a great morning. But we are going to be diving in. So it's about the middle of April and we're going to be diving into an important topic today. And uh, Matt's done a little bit of research to introduce some ideas to us. And uh, again, we're on this learning journey. And, and so everything we kind of glean from what's happening on the outside and and uh, we want to kind of help inform and gather information from people a lot smarter than us and Matt's kind of located some pretty pretty interesting articles uh, and mm -hmm. one in particular that we're going to dive in today so we're going to be talking about uh, the 17 year brood 10 not brood x as I referred to earlier brood 10 uh, cicadas and uh, the hatches this year for a lot of, for almost all of Indiana. And actually where we're at in Illinois, we are right on the Wabash River. And this is going to be, after looking at the chart, chart this is going to be kind of an overlap area. So my guess is we're going to get a little bit of brood 10, 17 year cicada, but Indiana. And actually it's kind of interesting, Matt. There, there are a few states here in between Indiana and you all the way out there in PA that are having brood 10, but you guys, you're kind of right in the heart of it out there. So it's weird because it kind of from you know, Southern Illinois is about as far West as it goes, I believe. And then through Indiana, like you said, depending on what map you look at, there's uh, parts of Kentucky and Tennessee that are part of it, West Virginia, uh, get some Ohio, but Western Pennsylvania doesn't actually encounter brood 10, which is interesting. It's Eastern PA that gets most of it. We're kind of on the fringe as well. So I'm interested to see how much we get out here. This is the first time I've lived in Pennsylvania with uh, one of the brood hatches. So, yeah. And uh, just, just so we can kind of get it out there, cicadas, um, there are annual cicadas, which are slightly larger than what you're going to see from like a big brood hatch. They look a little bit different. Um, the ones that come in the third, there's actually a 13 year uh, brood hatch, which uh, I think there's a handful of those. And then there's about, I think 13 or 15 uh, other brood hatches that are every 17 years. 
So and a cicada, Matt. Can you describe what a cicada is? <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah, so a cicada, it's an insect. Um, uh, growing up, I think we kind of, we said, we called them locusts. And I'm not sure right. why, yeah. but some people call them locusts, but they're, they're cicada. Um, they have real buggy eyes. They're typically, the ones you're going to see every year, I think they're about three inches long. They're pretty big bug. Um, and they have like these translucent wings. Um, but they're real, they look hideous. And you'll find they're, they actually have like these little shells that they'll leave on the tree. So if you see this little brown thing that's split open in the back, it looks like an alien shed its skin and just like it, it's got claws that grips onto the tree. It's pretty amazing actually. Yeah. Um, but you'll, you'll see a ton of them during a brood hatch year, which for probably a lot of our listeners is this, this year coming up here in the uh, middle of May. So things are about to get real interesting. They <laughs> so, are. Yeah. So the cicada actually crawls out of the ground, like those trees where you see the shells hanging onto, you'll look down on the ground and you'll see holes in the dirt. Mm -hmm. And they, they bore, they bore holes up through the dirt mm -hmm. next to the tree, which is kind of where the eggs were laid 17 years earlier, right? Where the, where kind of the offspring fell off of the tree, went down into the ground and it's been hanging out for 17 years. Yeah, essentially. So my understanding from the uh, somewhat limited research that I've done, but it's super interesting. I, I encourage you guys to just just Google uh, cicada brood hatch um, articles and you'll, you'll find some information there that's pretty interesting. Basically, the way I understand it is that they actually feed on the root system of a tree or um, a large shrub or something like that. But they, they get their nutrients while they're in the ground from the trees. And so, yeah, every 17 years, I'm not exactly sure what exactly it is, that internal clock. Um, I have amazing. A, a feeling it's a, a divine intervention yeah, <laughs> that, that uh, allows them to, to have that clock. But essentially, they come out 17 years. Once, uh, once the ground temperature reaches about 64 degrees is what they say, around 64 degrees, um, that kind of triggers the the great ascent out of the ground and yeah they start um they start flying around they they are pretty decent at flying um but they're noisy you'll hear that like sound uh, especially at night the annual ones they make a lot of their noise at night whereas the ones that come out during uh the brood hatch 17 13 years they're going to be noisier during the day which i thought was interesting i didn't know that wow but they basically make their way up a tree um they feed on um, the tree or whatever plant a little bit more while they're uh, out of the ground and then they end up laying their eggs. Um, so the whole, the whole process takes about three to four weeks. And by then they hatch, the eggs hatch and they make their way back into the ground and it just starts over uh, the long process <laughs> again. Uh, but it's, it's pretty interesting the way that, the way that, um, I read they survive, which is really, I think a cool, uh, just a, it, it teaches you how many there are that, that emerge from the ground. They completely satiate all of the predators. So you're talking about birds, uh, squirrels, raccoons, possums, basically anything will eat a cicada, turkeys, um, 
they have a huge, huge, huge net that they cast as far as what will actually uh, feast on a cicada. And so they completely satiate their predators, which means basically they, the predators don't want another bite. Like they're so full from eating cicadas all the time because there's so many of them. Um, and yet the predators only eat a very small percentage of the, the cicadas that actually hatch and come out of the ground. So it's really, really interesting. And that's how they survive. Like they just come in such great numbers <laughs> that ah. the predators can't keep up. And so they continue the process and, and do the same thing again, 17 or 13 years later. So. That's amazing. You know, 17 years ago, Matt, Lauren and I got married. Um, wow. That's hard to believe. It's been yeah, 17 yeah. years. 2004. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we planned the, the wedding like a year and a half out in advance and, <laughs> and we, we figured out, you know, about six months into the process. Oh no, next year's a 17 year cicadas. <laughs> Yeah. And we had visions and we, we, we had an outdoor reception, you know, we had yeah. visions of cicadas getting caught in the lady's hair and, you know, everybody being miserable because of these insects, but we got married June 26th and by then they were gone. So, yeah. you know, that four week process does start at least here in Southern Indiana, Southern Illinois, about right around the beginning to middle of May. Mm -hmm. And for four weeks, man, it is, I mean, you drive down the road and you just hear them bouncing off your car I mean, there's just, it's crazy how they seem to just take over in a matter of days. All of a sudden yeah. it's like, you're living in a different, a different world almost. And yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah. They just come alive. Uh, yeah. I, just, I remember, I think I've only see, I guess I've only been alive for one of them. Um, so this will be my second one. And I just remember the first time around, like I've never experienced anything like this. And uh, for those of you that have been, like in an area that's had a brood hatch you you'll know <laughs> and remember right. likely um the amount that they just coming in droves like right now out in pennsylvania we have an invasive bug called the spotted lantern fly and they're everywhere and it's um the cicada brood hatch was probably three or four times as much wow. um, so yeah it's pretty pretty intense but it's pretty it's really cool the impact that they have on wildlife so one of the there's an article done by uc berkeley or a study done by uc berkeley on um on cicada hatches and how it affects different bird species and they basically what they did is they had different observation points i think around 40 observation points and they would go every year and observe certain species of birds and they had a list of like 25 different species and what they discovered was during a brood year or brood hatch, I should say, um, a cicada brood hatch, the year of that brood hatch and um, for some species, two to, two to four years after the species had, that specific species of bird had a very large increase in, over, in population numbers and survivability rate. Like they just had, it has a massive effect and they're basically, they're saying one, it's a good food source for the birds. So they're yeah. not going to starve um, because we live in a time where there is a lack of habitat and food for, for a lot of bird species. Right. But they also completely fill the bellies, like I said, of the predators. Right. So all these birds that would have been prey. From like predators like raccoons, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. exactly. So like think of a turkey pole, like they, they would be a prime example because they 
are typically preyed off preyed upon in those in those months because it all happens kind of at the same time right whereas turkey poults are you know those are um, just beginning days and weeks for turkey poult okay well now we have cicadas that'll feed the raccoons and keep them alive and and uh it's an alternative food source for a lot of the predators and it's easy and it's available and everywhere it's very plentiful right um so it's re really really interesting they said about half of the bird species that they studied they noticed a significant increase in in population which i thought was really really cool uh, i didn't really think about like like raccoons and squirrels eating them but they they several articles i read mentioned mammals as well i was like oh makes i mean it makes sense i just right thought mostly of birds you also sent an article from the Purdue University Extension Office that was actually written just uh, last week, I think on the mm -hmm. 15th. And um, man, it had a lot, and, and it applied the cicada hatch specifically to uh, wild turkeys and fascinating information. And both these articles we'll have linked in the, in the description below so you can kind of search through that. But man, it sounds like, you know, the cicada hatch has most certainly been tied to a uh, healthy turkey population and some really, some really extensive research uh, through the years. And so, mm -hmm. you know, even, even measuring, I saw one chart measuring like the number of gobbles on roadside <laughs> listening spikes. Uh, like tripled or quadrupled. The, the year following yeah. uh, turkey hatches. So pretty, pretty fascinating stuff. Hatch. What'd I say? You said turkey hatch. Oh, cicada hatches. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, so really, really fascinating. Anything else that stood out to you from either of those articles, Matt, about about kind of how those cicadas, you know, kind of misdirect, you know, it, it takes the attention off the prey species and gives them kind of a relief here. I mean, that's kind of the cool thing. It's almost like yeah. God, it's almost like God's designed everything with with these cicadas. He he's designed like a, a almost like a year of jubilee for mm. for some. You know yeah. what I mean? For some of these species that just get hammered yeah. every single year. I'm thinking, I'm wondering even like if bobcats, you know, if bobcats are going to be eating on these yeah. because there's been an increase of cats um, all through this area at least. And, you know, some people are wondering if that's going to be related to, you know, decline in the turkey population. But if, if some of these predators can eat even for just a year on something other than you know, these typical prey species that gives, that gives them a chance to kind of rebound and, and also nourish themselves. So that's pretty, that's pretty mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. There, there was a question that was raised and I don't think they had very good evidence one way or the other about whether or not because the prey or because the predators also had so much food. I mean, obviously it benefits them in a significant way as well. So if that would have an adverse effect the following years on like, we think of like a, a turkey, for example. Right. Um, but it seemed like they're mostly saying, well, it's, it has so much of a benefit for the species that are prey, typically, that the predator species don't s seem to have like a significant increase. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it's, it's cool. kind of like you flip, you can flip the coin on it and, and look at it from a different perspective as well. But it seemed like most of the evidence was pointing towards prey species being the ones that flourished from it. So... Uh, but one of the one of the things too that is really awesome about um, cicada brood hatch years is fishing, and I think you know Adam and I we got to experience that the last time around. I think you had a story that you were gonna oh share yeah fishing so, wise. So. Yeah, we you know I um, I remember going and 
and of course they're everywhere. And I remember getting to like a little uh, cricket cage, I think, and I was throwing them in this cricket cage. I was getting them off the trees and finding them and catching them. It was a little intimidating at first. You're thinking, man, are these things going to bite me or sting me? Yeah. I mean, they kind of look like a giant killer hornet, you know? Yeah. But totally actually, harmless. Yeah, yeah. Totally harmless. I'll never forget in 2004, Matt and I were, uh, we were helping our family work on a house and we were building a house. And actually, this house was being built right beside uh, a pond that had great fishing in it. But I remember our favorite way during the cicada hatch of 2004, our very favorite way to fish during that cicada hatch was, and I did this a number of times, I would, um, I had a little ultralight, a little four and a half foot ultralight, uh, spinning reel, oh, and I would get like a, a size six hook. And um, I would put that cicada on there. I had like four pound test line. And I wouldn't do a bobber. I wouldn't do a sinker. It was just a gold hook. And I'd hook it right through the tail. And, and the, hook would, the hook would come out the belly and face back towards the tail. And I would open the bale. And I would just give it a little bit of a heave. And, and the cicada would take flight. Yeah. We did this all the time. Yeah. And actually, that cicada could fly along. I mean, those things absolutely can fly. They can get yeah. it. And, yeah. and, and I would have the bale open and with that ultralight line. The cicada would take flight across the pond. I would close the bale, give it one little jerk, and that would cause the cicada to hit the water. And it would just sit on top of the water and just buzz and just, I mean, fish. Yeah. We caught bluegill. We caught, we caught bass. Everything would hit those. Yeah. And it was, I can't wait. I can't wait to do that with our kids yeah. this spring. It's going to be so much fun to see, to see just how explosive the action is. So I'm really looking forward to fishing with cicadas. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a topwater bait that does all the work for you because yeah. it has, I mean, if, if you're able to hook them, like you said, and, and keep them alive where they'll, you know, they're going to move and twitch and all that stuff. I mean, they do all the work. All you have to do is just sit and wait and <laughs> enjoy the show because it's, it is a topwater feeding frenzy. And uh, a lot of flyer fishermen out here in, in Pennsylvania are, really excited because uh apparently like a lot of the veteran fly fishermen they have they they make flies that look like the cicada oh, wow. um so i don't i don't know why you wouldn't just use your own like just pop one on your hook but uh, like we used to do but they say yeah just find find an area that has like trees surrounding the water because they're going to drop out of the trees into the into the water yep. and and find those honey holes and just be a part of it <laughs> basically Absolutely. yeah well, they say they say they even bring like catfish up from the bottom like a catfish will come to the top a carp will come to the top fish that normally stay at the bottom of a body of water because they're just that good to eat yeah. for the fish they love them so yeah well i'm looking forward to it so we're just kind of scratching the surface on this topic of uh specifically the brood 10 17 year cicada that's hatching out here in just a couple of weeks but it's going to be a game changer i mean there is a there is a kind of a downside you know like i mean some of the trees i planted seven years ago um you know they might get knocked back some this year but you know really unless you unless you have something that just isn't established i can't see you know i can't see the 17 year cicada uh just destroying your tree i mean yeah. you know it, it might it might knock it back a little bit, but um, I have thought about going over some of my young trees that are in tree tubes and just putting a screen over them. 
while you know while the 17 year cicada is here just just to keep keep them from getting harassed i don't even know if i'll do that yet but yeah. i i, I think, think they do prefer larger diameter trees right 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 but yeah that's probably a good idea just in case but you know the the upside is really really positive and and uh i think all of the the bird species that you know typically just get picked on by these predators are going to have they're going to they're going to breathe a sigh of relief this year so yeah. yeah so mark that mark this on your calendar this is 2021 the year of the 17 year cicada and see i mean just kind of journal if, you, if you're not a wildlife journaler and you don't kind of keep track of what years are good or bad you know a lot of the experienced old timers they do that and they'll actually go back. You know, I have one friend that journals all of his hunting, which I think is just unbelievable, oh, cool. but he keeps track of his favorite years and his favorite days within those years of, of different species. But I think, I think this would be a year to journal and, and especially the next two years, you know, just kind of seeing what kind of impact this has. And uh, yeah, just being able to celebrate some of God's ways of putting rhythms in creation that, you know, nourish and provide. So yeah, pr pretty exciting things. Anything else you want to add, Matt? No, I don't think so. I, I think uh, one of the things that's difficult for some people to get past initially is like, hey, these are scary looking bugs and they're everywhere. And so um, just, just remember that they can't hurt you. Uh, and they're really good for practical jokes. I do remember the last time that <laughs> last time we had a brood hatch when I was still living in Southern Indiana, uh, my sister was terrified of them. And so anytime we were all outside together and we were walking under trees or anything like that, or, or by a tree, just grab a low hanging branch and give it a good shake and they'll just <sighs> erupt off of it. And that if you would like to play a practical joke on someone, that's a good way to do it. So, yeah, but don't tell them that I told you to do it. 2021 great year for turkeys of both human and fowl kind <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right well hey guys thanks so much for joining us on another episode of hey bub outdoors uh check back in with us we'll be releasing content as as things just continue to unfold this spring so thanks for joining us today we'll see you next time see y'all later peace out it's just a good song, okay? all right bub